Welcome to episode three of The Baby Monitor, a podcast of family horrors. This episode covers two chapters from the upcoming novella. Richard gets to the office ten minutes late. The Volkswagen was out of gas again. He swears he filled the tank up yesterday, the day before. But all events blur together, and now he is harried and stressed out and confused before he even starts his daily work. Now he stands outside the elevator and wonders who put up holiday decorations on the floor. His mind cycles through human resources, through admins, through bosses, finally landing on himself, and the guilt. Why hadn't he done it? Shouldn't he have hung the decorations? If the vice president of marketing or the chief marketing officer see them, will they congratulate Richard for improving morale? Will they ask him where he got the spare budget and necessary approvals? It is November 5. It is a Monday. Christmas is two months away, and Richard is going to have to spend hours of his day trying to figure out who draped blue tinsel and silver bells across the cubicles. This is why America is doomed, he thinks. He looks at his watch, and he sees he forgot to put it on. He looks for his wedding ring and sees that that's missing, too. Richard hangs his coat on the corner of his cubicle. It is the biggest on the floor, but still. He puts his left hand inside his pockets, finds a note he left for himself. As soon as he touches it, he remembers what it says, but he takes it out and reads it anyway. Across the top, it has a phone number, and under it, in neat, all capital letters, call to tell them they're insane. He closes his eyes, takes a breath. A collection agency had left a message, told Richard he was two months late on some obscure bill, a toll for a road he could barely remember driving. Richard finds this impossible to believe. He lays the mail on the counter every night, goes through it every morning, pays every bill that arrives. The dumb shits must never have mailed him a bill, or they mailed it and the post office lost it. Either way, it won't be hard to clear up, It's just one more thing in a world of tiny things. Richard leans over his desk, watches his fingers hit the button on the computer and wonders where his ring is. He goes to check the score of last night's football game because someone might ask him if he saw it. He heads for the kitchen, wondering how much coffee he's going to have to drink to kill his headache. The headache has been with him for six months, ever since the night terrors began. He does not know if it is a caffeine headache, or a dehydration headache, or a tension headache, or whether it might be caused by spending too much time staring, staring into tiny screens. The laptop, the phone, the baby monitor. The pain seems to move at random, from the skin beneath his scalp to the muscles around his eyes. It is with him and he wakes. He rides shotgun in the Volkswagen. It is as bad on Sunday as it is on Monday. Richard does not hate his job, but still. He leaves the kitchen and goes searching for a conference room where he can hide while he calls the collections number and gets that miniature mess straightened out. Lissa used to love her job, but now it is just a paycheck. She hates she has to yell at girls for doing all the same things she used to, coming in late, coming in hungover, coming in not at all. She has to call the bank when the credit card machine stops working. She has to run, sometimes actually run, to the Camry to get to Asher's daycare on time. 
Every 15 minutes after 6 is another $40, but that's not the worst part. The worst part is the constant fear that this evening will be the evening they tell her Asher simply cannot return the next day. On this night, they have to go to the grocery. Lissa can remember her own mother cooking things, actually cooking things with ingredients. She cannot remember the last time she, or Richard, set out a bag of flour and turned it into a loaf of bread, and why would they? Every meal in the supermarket's tiled aisles seems to be basically finished. Just 25 minutes at 350 degrees and your lemon-marinated chicken breasts are ready to serve. The grocery seems empty, row after row of overflowing shelves and the quiet squeaking of the shopping cart. Asher is fastened in its child-safe seat and Lissa shows him the things she might buy. Sometimes the baby's eyes follow them, and other times, other times they flutter shut. So she talks, her words the only lyrics to the soft music, echoing down from the high ceilings. In one row, organic whole milk for my baby, nothing that could be bad for you maybe. And in the next, lots of coffee for mommy and daddy, because we always wake up feeling batty. The rows of baby food are stuffed full of things children might fall in love with. Things guilty parents might throw into a cart without even realizing it. Only years later, understanding that $10 a week has become $3,000 worth of crap in a drawer. A rattle. Asher's eyes barely flutter, even when Lissa shakes it. She sets it back down. A set of blocks looks suspiciously like just another boring box wrapped in cellophane that must be thrown away before tiny hands shove it into a tiny mouth. Lissa holds up a stuffed clown, and Asher reaches for it, and Lissa's heart soars, swells to the point of bursting. She wiggles it back and forth. One day a man came to town, dressed up like a silly clown, she says. And Asher replies with gibberish, but it is real gibberish. The burbling sounds somehow more alive than English words might have been. Lissa pulls the clown right and left and watches Asher's eyes follow and his hands not follow exactly but wave in uncoordinated circles in the air. She moves the toy up and then down, not wanting to tease her son but reveling in a moment of lucidity until eventually the clown comes to rest directly in front of her face. And at this, Asher screams. His baby eyes squeeze shut, and the baby muscles in his baby neck tighten, and Lissa finds herself wondering if it is possible for a baby to snap its own neck. She turns and sees, way far away, down at the end of the aisle, a lone shopper, a shadow of a person pushing a shadow of a cart, who has stopped to see what has made this baby scream so loudly and keep screaming. His scream now lyrics that drown the elevator music cause the song to crash into an unintended chorus. Lissa squints daggers at the shadow until it slowly wheels away, and then she moves the clown from where it has covered her face and places it back on the shelf. She reaches out for Asher and palms the baby's head, petting, saying, It's okay. It's okay. Clowns are scary for mommy, too. Lissa looks at the shelf and the clown, and it looks back. She grips the shopping cart and hurries away. Thanks for listening to episode three of The Baby Monitor. If you want to support the podcast, consider buying Davella when it comes out on Amazon in March of 2017.